Hello and welcome to the Client Blue Podcast. My name's Dan Ronitz and I'm joined here this morning or this afternoon whenever you're listening to this show by John Townley. John, are you well? I'm well, thanks Dan. Are you okay? Yeah, not too bad. Raring to get started. We've had a defeat to talk about yesterday with Nottingham Forest. We did a 20-minute post-match show and some of this episode will be about Forest and the repercussions of losing and we've got some questions from the audience that will no doubt mention that game. I don't really want to hone in on it too much. I don't think there's too much need for a kind of a tactical breakdown on what, on what went wrong. They scored early. Villa couldn't really get going. One of those days is what we put it down to yesterday. Uh, of course, you were there. How did you see the game? Do you agree with my mini-assessment? Yeah, I do. I mean, we've said previously that Villa will have these games where not everything goes their way. Um, you know, Forrest scoring early, then scoring early in the second half. Both goals were completely avoidable. A lot of Forest fans uh, that I spoke to were saying that, uh, you, you know, your high line was uh, all over the place. Um, you know, we were always getting in behind and that sort of stuff. But they only had two chances in the game. And those were the chances that they took. I mean, they weren't even... I mean, the first one was a chance. Ola Aina's goal. Uh, then Martinez obviously makes a mistake for their second. But I don't think it was a game which Villa were necessarily really poor in or anything like that. Again, I think it weren't too dissimilar to the Wolves performance, really. I think it's a game that Villa could have won one or two nil on, on another day. Yeah. Zaniola, if he takes his chance, then we're one all going into the break in the second half. I don't doubt Villa might have even gone on to win that uh, match for sure. You know, it's one of those, they've scored two goals that, again, on another day that Villa wouldn't have conceded. They would have kept a clean sheet. Um, we defended well, as I say, the high line for me worked well because we were catching them offside all the time. You know, yes, it's risky, but Conser and Torres, I think, held it well. Uh, the only other thing I'd say is that in the final third, we weren't creating too much. But I think, to be fair, that's credit to Forest. They were really well organised. That's probably their best performance of the season. They won at Chelsea, but a lot of teams do. But I think to beat us in the manner that they did, um, you know, packing numbers behind the ball, being organised, not giving away too many chances. Yes, Villa had lots of um, kind of territory in their final third. But as I say, apart from a few crosses from Luca Dean, stuff like that, I don't think we really um, tested. Uh, well, we certainly didn't test the keeper enough considering he was making his debut as well. So it was frustrating. However, if, as I say, if Zaniolo takes his chance, it's a different game and that's what you have to do away from home. It's what can happen as well in the Premier League. Conte said that uh, you know, if you're not going to take your own chances, then you, you can't expect to uh, win the match, let alone draw it. So, um, yeah, it was a shame that whilst we couldn't win the game, we had to lose it in the sort of manner that we did, only giving up two real chances. And if, you know, even then, one of them was a mistake by Mart- uh, Martinez. Yeah, I saw somebody on, on social media afterwards say, like, Villa are either like the sublime or the ridiculous. We either play really well or we, or we don't. And generally, as a point, I, I do agree with that. We either seem to win or lose, don't we, uh, generally. I don't mm. think we played that badly yesterday. That was no, a few off performances overall and we weren't as ruthless as we need to be going forward. It's just, I would suggest it's just one of those days, a bad day at the office, whatever kind of cliche you want to throw at it and as reductive as that might be to just put it down to that. I really don't think there is cause for concern or panic that this is going to be the start of a, of a, of a bad run or anything. If anything, it's a bit of a reality check and we'll probably be better for it because a fired up Una Emery won't accept those kind of games happening again. Yeah, I was listening to BBC WM briefly after it, and Gary Thompson nailed it. He said, "Like this is um, these results can sometimes benefit you in the course over the course of a season. If Villa were, you know, going along and not reacting to something like this, then that's an issue. But I think they will. They have the players to do that. Every time that we've lost this season, we seem to win three or four and score six or seven goals across those games as well. So I'm, you know, I don't have a doubt that they'll react against A's. They're done against Fulham." Of course, those are games that Villa need to win now. Uh, 
especially. Then after the break, we have uh, Tottenham, City and Arsenal in the four games uh, coming up. Bournemouth away as well, which won't be easy either. But it's just a shame that we had to lose to Forest. I think that was the... Um, that's the frustration for me. We had enough chances to certainly not lose the game and they didn't have enough chances to win it, if that makes sense. We we were kind of we kind of punished ourselves, I think, and that's the yeah. frustration that I have. However, these things happen in you know, in a season. Man City drew at Forest last season when they won the title easily. So things happen. Um as long as we dust ourselves down and go again, that sounds like Steve Bruce. God, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> um we'll be okay beat Fulham hopefully next weekend and we'll be back back in the sort of rhythm that we had then in international break then you got Tottenham away which is a big game but we start yeah. while well, we two points off third now that's the same position uh, as what we started Sunday morning so uh, yeah no cause for concern at all yeah on the same day that Liverpool only drew to to Luton in the last minute like they could quite comfortably have lost yeah. that game and that puts our result into perspective a little bit that, that these things do happen I suppose the flip side of that is that if we'd have beat Forest we could have got into third place by overtaking uh, Liverpool but it doesn't matter it's one game isn't it I really don't think this is the, the start of something to be uh, concerned about and I expect us to be AZ and uh, Fulham to be honest and then go into that Tottenham game with a, really something riding on it of two forms in, in great two sides in great form yeah precisely about the table at the moment I, I wasn't necessarily looking towards like moving up places I was more thinking about can we you know keep uh, Newcastle and mm. I know Man United aren't great at the moment but you know for as bad as they've been they're only a few points behind us um, you want to keep those teams at arm's length and they've both gained three points on us over the weekend which is a bit like uh, that's my uh, main concern it's the teams behind us there aren't many of them. I think it's probably only Newcastle and United, to be fair. Newcastle and Man United, who can probably catch us this season. And say catch us for only 11 games in, but I think Villa should be able to finish up with Brighton mm. and West Ham uh, and any other team you want to throw into that. Maybe Brentford, I don't know. Emery wants us to be competing within that top seven. Obviously, there's six teams that I've mentioned there, the top four plus Newcastle and Man United. That seventh place almost looks like it could be ours this season if we continue to do what we're doing. As in, that's the minimum. Mm. Uh, in terms of what we're doing, which I said at the start of the season, I'd be happy with as long as we win the uh, win the Conference League. I'd still be happy with that. I know that might sound a bit crazy because we've started so well, but it's a bit of a reality check that, as I say, Villa aren't going to win every game 4-0. And Newcastle, for me, is still I still think they're more capable than us to finish in that top five because I don't think they'll have uh, European football come you know, March, should we say. They've got a free run at the Premier League then. Villa are absolutely capable of doing it. Not saying that, um, that they're not for one minute. But I think seventh, sixth, if we can finish around there, then fantastic. I still think that's a good season. You just got to try and win the Conference League. And I don't want that to be like a bit of a dampener, like Villa have lost, therefore we can't get Champions League. Not at all. We will compete for it until the end. But United and Newcastle, they'll they'll come back again. As will we. We've only lost one game. But, you know, it's just like three points to gain on us uh, when we've played Forest is a bit um, frustrating, especially in the games that we've got coming up. Tottenham, Arsenal, Man City, we are going to drop points in that run. Mm. I saw a point from Alex Berwick yesterday who's obviously been on the podcast before and I would love to get him back on the show again. He said that he kind of measures Villa's results based off what Newcastle would do, which probably sounds a bit of a strange thing, but yeah, yeah. if you consider they're the ones who got Champions League last year and are pushing for it again this, you'd think, well, did Newcastle lose against Forest yesterday? Probably not. 
used the same promise a few weeks ago when we played West Ham and it's like if Newcastle play West Ham at home do they lose no and obviously Villa won that day as well and that was like a, okay well if Newcastle would have won that game it's good that Villa do and I think he followed it up with a stat that I should be able to get in front of me but I haven't that like Newcastle haven't lost to a bottom half team for like over a year or something so that like they consistently don't lose at least against the sides in the bottom half whereas Villa obviously have had games where they've lost the teams in the bottom half during that time and if Villa are to do what they want to do which is compete and get into the Champions League places can't say, I'm not going to say that you can't ever lose a game to somebody in the bottom half but Villa do need to get better at putting teams away that you probably expect them to yeah I think Newcastle last season went behind against Forest if I remember correctly I was coming back from Porto uh, a little holiday I believe Forest went 1-0 up and then Newcastle equalised and then they scored late on I think it was a penalty so that's the kind of thing that Villa that, that was Villa's challenge yesterday and obviously they failed that and I don't know. I don't want to compare us to Newcastle quite literally, but Alex's point about um, you know following that trajectory, this is what Newcastle would have done last season. I think that is valid because that's the recipe, if that makes sense. That's a recipe yeah, for Champions yeah. League and going behind against a team away, um, sorry, away against a team like Forest. We should have got back in the game and we had the chances to do it again with Zaniolo. If we take that to a different game, and as I say, the second half, second half is ours to win. But instead we go behind, uh, sorry, Forest double their lead early on in the second half for a mistake and it's those things that we need to cut out and Emery said that after the game as well we, you know if yeah. we want to achieve what we want to achieve this season then we have to cut out those mistakes and we all know that but sometimes these results can work in your favour in the long run and hopefully that is the case we've still made an unbelievable start to the season I don't know if it's better than Newcastle's last season I would have thought it's probably about the same if not better I don't know you just got to continue to chip away at results and points and just just frustrating I think would be the main kind of emotion from yesterday and I think Villa will continue to chip away at results as over the course of the season. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not concerned at all. And we're going to move on to, to questions from the audience for the rest of the show. Some of them are going to cover elements of the Forest game, of course, and some are going to go off in different tangents and let us talk about something more positive. And that's what I'm going to start with from AVFC Faithful, who says, can you talk about Pau Torres, please, and his exquisite passing range? Yeah, he's magnificent. I think he's adapting well to the Premier League now. I think, as we said before, he had a few games where he was kind of culpable for a few goals that Villa were conceding. That isn't the case anymore, which I, to me is the main, uh, you know, the main plus is passing range and stuff. We knew that previously and Villa are benefiting from it. Obviously, yesterday was difficult because Forrest played such a low block. It needed someone like Torres to uh, move them around, which I think it was about the 20th minute. Actually, Torres was kind of playing these intricate passes, which is great. That's what you want him to do. But Emery kind of barked at him saying like, you know, switch it over to Cash because there was a lot of space because Forrest would pack the midfield and they were quite narrow. So there was a lot of space for Cash to go on the right and Torres started to ping the ball out to Cash. And I think that was like the 24th minute that he started doing that. Villa win a succession of corners and that's when we started to get a grip on the game. So yeah, Torres is key. He's basically a midfielder for us. He's passing mm-hmm. range probably better than most midfielders in the Premier League. Sensational play. I was looking uh, before we started as well, just because I wanted to see how we, see exactly how well he's doing this season. He has the uh, highest progressive carrying distance of any player in Europe and his pass into the final third is made 65 of them in the league this season, which is the seventh most. And I think that'll only continue to grow because I do think teams will start to show us more respect and they will start to pack numbers behind the ball and do what Forrest did because that was almost, this is how you beat Villa. You, you take your chances when they come, but you need to respect them because Villa will cut teams open. And I do think that's the challenge that we have now. 
Emery was asked about that in his post-match pressure as well, and he said that, of course, that's going to, you know, he expects that and Villa will have to overcome these challenges and, and whatnot. But I can imagine going to teams that are, as I said, beneath Villa, uh, lower in the table, away from home or at home. But at home, we don't seem to be, you know, having this issue of not scoring or away from home we are. Uh, against Wolves, we didn't create too much, uh, apart from the last, like, few minutes, but Apart from Torres's goal, there wasn't a whole lot that um, Villa had created, and that was obviously similar to Forest up until the end of the game. Really, in the you know after Forest went to look, that is a challenge for Villa, and someone like Torres will be key to uh, moving players around, finding those passes. But that is yeah. a challenge now, um, t- trying to break teams down. Something that Villa haven't had to do really under Emery in the last year. We had a couple of questions on on a similar vein to that, so I'll, I'll put these together from Wayne and Janislav. Uh, Wayne says, how do we break down teams who play with 10 behind the ball? It's been something we've struggled with for years. And Janislav says, Liverpool's results should hopefully stop too much doom and gloom and give our result context, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, my question is, was that result a slight indication that playing the same 11 each week is making us easier to plan against and players to get a tad stale? Is it time to mix things up or is that just a one-off? I'll take the second part first. Ramsey and Moreno will be back, hopefully, for that Tottenham game. Well, Moreno is back. He's not fully fit necessarily yet, but that's going to give us a new dimension. That's your whole left side, really. Yeah. Uh, again, Luca Dean, I think, has been very good at the start of the season, but Moreno gets to the byline. He's energetic. He's obviously very quick. He can go both ways. So that will give Villa a new dimension, as I say. Torres as well, playing on that left. So that'll be a, like a whole new side to the team, really. And against the low block, as I said, then I, that is something that they're going to have to overcome. I have no answer of what exactly Emery is going to do. I don't doubt that he'll have a, you know, he'll, he'll have um, a method to do that. He's managed Arsenal and PSG. Both, both of those clubs would have had to play against teams who would just camp and sit back. And again, I don't want to, that's not ne- like a negative on Forest. I think they just, no, it's just a way of playing, it, isn't it? They executed it kind of 10 out of 10. They were, they were brilliant and fair play. That's how you do it against Villa. I do think Forest were, I know I didn't predict Villa to lose the game, but Forest are the team that do like to do that and they do like to play on the counter. I, I don't know exactly what the stat is, but they've got like more direct or transitional attacks or something like that than any other team or that sort of, um, you know, uh, that sort of statistic. And that is a team that will look to play that way, especially against a team like Villa, who they know will be able to cut them open with a few passes if they allow them to. I don't think it's getting stale. I think it's just they're going to have to adapt to, you know, that that's kind of the, um, that's the consequence of being a good team. You're going to have to continue to adapt and that's what all the top teams do. Christopher says, not a question, but Aston Villa Football Club are fifth in the Premier League. All is rosy in B6. I just thought I'd include that just to take a step back from 15 or 20 minutes or so of the podcast so far of, of bemoaning uh, missed opportunities. We're still in a very good place, aren't we? And it, it's just one game in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think it's just because we've lost to a team who are lower than us. And as yeah. I say, in the season, you'd look at that and think um, that's a game that you'd like to win. You can't win them all. But as you said, with Newcastle, that is the barometer if you want to get Champions League football. But... As I said, that's now top five, really. Well, hopefully. Yeah, it's a game that we didn't lose last season <laughs> under Stephen Gerrard yeah. as well. So that kind of makes it like we've lost ground <laughs> on last season. <laughs> we've um we've we've had a remarkable start. And yeah, this is just a 
it's just a blip. It's one of those games like Legia Warsaw in the Conference League. We then uh, win a game late on and then we beat AZ, which was supposed to be the hardest game. And look at where we are now in that perspective in the, uh, in, in the Conference League table. So it's just kind of a bump on the nose. We go again. Another ex-manager quote there, this time from Paul Lambert with we go again and uh, dust ourselves down earlier in the show. <laughs> Stay tuned for a quote from Tim Sherwood later in the episode. Um, nope that- says... If you could have one player from the seemingly ever-expanding injury roster, fully match fit, immediately ready to go, who would you choose? Ramsey. We'll our answer on. Sorry, we'll our answer on three because I think we'll probably both go for the same one. Yeah, Jacob Ramsey, isn't it? Imagine he could just play tomorrow. I mean, we're not playing tomorrow. Imagine he could just <laughs> play, play tomorrow in the next game, the next game available yeah. and start and be fully fit and ready to go and integrate into the team. He is the one, isn't he, Ramsey? We, we miss him hugely. Yeah, and if you look at the team, if we go, can we go through it now? Because I quite like the idea of just na- naming a very good Aston Villa team. So yeah. Martinez in goal. I want to call it a back. Okay, we'll just go. So, Cash right back, Alex Moreno left back, uh, Concer and Paul Torres, uh, Douglas Louise and Kamara, John McGinn on the right, Jacob Ramsey on the left, Musa Diaby and Ollie Watkins. It's a very good team, especially when you can push a Kamara into a centre back role to play three at the back. You've got Cash and Moreno bombing on, uh, on the wings, offering support and width. Then you've got McGinn. Uh, Louise kind of doing the thing in the mid- middle of the park. Ramsey playing behind DRB and Watkins. That, that's a very, very good team. They do have depth in their squad. It's just that those injuries have taken it out on us. We have Tielemans to come on. We have Duran, who will come back from his toe infection at some point. I don't know when. Um, and on the bench, then you can have a Zaniolo. You can have Bailey as well. They're all options that um, that we can work with. Have we got a question on Zaniolo, by the way, Dan? Yeah, a couple. Well, we do. Can we, can we save those and get to them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just on that on that kind of best 11 you've read out there, which I agree, that's probably what I would go with. But let's say all the injured players are available. The team you've just picked, would you rather have that or Conta right back instead of Cash and Mings and Torres as a back two? Would that be a better side, a better option? I think it depends who you play against. I know that's kind of a cough-out answer, but Matty Cash just running up and down on the right. <laughs> that sounds very simple. But I just think it takes a lot. It takes a lot off certain of the players as well. When we're playing at home, having Cash kind of just hugging that wide area on the right, and then you have a Moreno as well doing the same. Automatically, the fullbacks have to come over. There's more space then for Diaby to make runs and Watkins to make runs. You've got Ramsey, you've got McGinn. Even Louise is chipping in with goals, or he has done for a while now. So I think that is more, I don't want to say exciting, but that I think would give us a better chance of winning a football match at home. If it's away from home, then yeah, I think having the option of playing or you know having more security, that sort of thing, I think that. But again, these are options, so different ways to beat different opponents. But I know Cash comes in for a bit of stick. And I said last season, to be fair, I think he does need to improve his final product and things like that. But he's playing in a different way that I think suits him better. He doesn't have to be crossing the ball onto Ollie Watkins' head because he only gets two opportunities to cross the ball in the game. He's getting to the byline and he's making things happen. As I said before, he's like a box crasher. I just think he's a very good option, um, which allows other players to do things. I like what he gives to the team and I don't, I wouldn't take him out just because all of a sudden we had another option, for example. I still think he's very valuable. And I do think as soon as Villa lose a game, there's always a search for a, like a scapegoat or someone who he hasn't played well. Therefore, we need a new player in January and things like that. We're two points off third. You know, come on. That sounds like one of the questions that's on my list for, for later on. Uh, just on Cash very quickly. I didn't think he was great yesterday. 
when, hey, he did was, into, when he did get into opportunities, it was kind of like stand up your man, then turn back. It's like I was, I, was yeah. I needed something more from him to to take on a man and put that ball in and, and get to the bar line. There was too many occasions of just kind of getting nowhere and turning back. And I understand the the role of keeping possession and keeping the ball and being patient. I saw again another great tweet from somebody that I've not not got in front of me, so forgive me for just nicking their point and not credit, crediting them. But they were saying that when Villa's style of play is that they're winning. It's patient and controlling, and we're we're looking for avenues, and you 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 understand why. When Villa are losing, they play the same way because it's about repeatable actions, and you're going to get into the right areas eventually. But when you're losing, it looks like a lack of urgency, and the patience kind of goes out the window. But you think, yeah. come on, do more. But you've got to kind of play the same way regardless yeah. of the result. Yeah, and I don't think that's such a bad thing that Cash isn't taking no. on his man at every opportunity because if he loses the ball when we've wasted an attack Probably we need to decide to go three now. Yeah. Zaniolo takes his chance which he has to <laughs> Villa are in the game and as I said they probably yeah. win it and then we're not picking on players and stuff like that but I think it's just it's what happens after a football match you, you're you going to look for certain things and yeah Cash didn't play great neither did Emi Martinez who just won the Ashen Trophy <laughs> you know it is what it is players have bad games Mentioned a couple of times about questions about Zaniolo, so let's get those done now. Yeah, there's a couple about Zaniolo. One from Nick Knack James. Uh, why do a portion of our fans have to look for a scapegoat? And B, should we have gone with Tielemans instead of Zaniolo? Uh, and a follow-up to that from the technician on Twitter, who says Zaniolo doesn't fit into a 4-4-2 coming in from wide. He needs to play central. Before I argue my opinion, what do you make of Zaniolo? I know I've, <laughs> I've said that he needs to score this goal and you know, kind of I haven't hung him out to dry at all I'm on the opposite side I like him <laughs> and I I understand the frustration that some fans have when he doesn't make the right decision or whatever it may be but I've seen far worse players play for Aston Villa than Zaniolo and far more players who don't contribute at all and I do think he should have scored a few goals by now and things like that but I'd, I'd be more concerned if he was just kind of you know getting chalk on his boots and knocking the ball back and just keeping possession every now and again. And yeah, that's okay. But he is giving us a bit more, in my opinion. He's coming close. And I know that isn't, you know, everything. And it's not what fans want. They want goals and they want assists now. He probably should have scored at Wolves. He probably should have scored at um, Forest as well. Both of those moments could have been key. They weren't. But I think Emery sees something in that. And that's why he started six of the last seven games. I think the only game he hasn't started was against Wolves in the, in the Premier League. Um, six of the last seven league games. So there's something in there. And maybe I'm a bit kind of blinded because Emery is playing him. And therefore I'm thinking, oh, well, there must be something there. But I, I, just, I just think he's good. And I think he gives us something different. He's athletic. He's quite physical. He's a different option. I know Bailey's playing well, but he's keeping him out of the team. And I just... I don't think it's worth kind of, as I say, scapegoating him particularly. I, I will because he should have scored, but we didn't lose that game because Zaniolo didn't play particularly well. Yeah. I, I I don't think he was the worst player on the pitch, to be honest, uh, for Villa. Who was? I know he came off at half-time. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> this, is a, this is a positive therapy session. But I can understand why fans you know, aren't kind of bowled over by how incredible he is or anything like that. But ultimately, he's a lone player and he's fitting a purpose. Buendir is injured. Jacob Ramsey is injured. For us to have a player like Zaniolo, I, we could have a lot worse going on. Mm. And I really don't think it's that bad. I think he's a good player. And he, he's contributing to attacks and whatnot. He is making a difference. But I think he can go another 
level and we just haven't seen that yet. But by the way, if he did score yesterday, if he did score against Wolves and got that winner um, at the back post, all of a sudden it would be flips to Zaniolo, oh, you know, masterstroke by Monchi, um, great loan deal, that sort of thing. So again, I think it's highs and lows of kind of reacting after a game. I, I just think he's, he's okay, he's good. We could have a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, if not a, a month or two ago now, about like he just needs that goal to kind of spark into life. And I had a couple of comments suggesting I was being too harsh on him. And he, to be honest, he's, in terms of goals and assists, he's, he's not done anything to contribute since then. You know, we're still looking for that first moment. But in terms of scapegoats, and I absolutely agree, there's no need to kind of single out a single player, although I know we've gone heavy on him and Cash so far. Um, but there's, there's, there's something in there. We've said it before, yeah. haven't we, the, the pink boots and the tucked-in shirt and that kind of maverick nature. Like, There's something there that if he is confident and feeling himself, there's a goal in there out of nowhere, there's a bicycle really? kick out of nowhere, those kind of things. He probably should have scored on his debut against Burnley. When he went through, he could have, I think he could have squared mm. it, but he missed. And yeah. he was like, oh, okay. um, seen something there against Wolves, he should have scored against Brighton. He had a chance um, against... Forrest has had a chance. And yes, that's all kind of negative that he hasn't scored, but he's getting in the positions and he's making things happen. I'm okay with that. Yeah, the shot that Duran scored off the header that the keeper saved in the Europe yes, Conference game. Yeah, hit the bar, didn't he? And the keeper saved onto the bar. So he's having moments and he's getting in the right positions. He's 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 not making an impact in terms of goals and assists or whatever, but he's he's doing things. <laughs> and that's kind of like the bare minimum. But therefore, that isn't an excuse for me to suggest that he's not pulling his weight or anything like that. And that is what fans, some fans, are kind of accusing him of. Um, I know we have barely losing good form. You have options. That, this is why he came off and barely came on um, yeah. at half time to give us something different. This is why Tielemans came on in the second half as well. So, yeah, I think he's he's fine. I just don't like when fans have to blame it on one player, and especially when that just isn't the case. Maybe the argument that Bailey's in form. I think that's maybe why fans kind of kind of jumped on his back. Maybe and you know we should be playing Tielemans because he scored against AZ and Bailey's doing well. So maybe one of those two should have started. But if Emery is picking Zaniolo, then I'd kind of copy his homework. <laughs> you know, he knows better than me. <laughs> that's a, a nice phrase to use. Uh, so following on from that, a question from John without the H says, does Bailey deserve to start instead of Zaniolo? What would you do for Fulham? For Fulham, I would start Bailey after all of that. I would start <laughs> Bailey just because I like I like Bailey at Villa Park. Um, Emery, at home. Yeah, Emery said mm. uh, out in our Kamara actually about how Bailey needs to find more consistency with his away performances um, because he's doing everything well at home. He just needs to get that bit away. And to be fair, he did very well against AZ. But against Fulham, yeah, I'd play Bailey right, McGinn left and... Basically, naming an unchanged team unless Alex Moreno is is fit, then I'd um, look to maybe play him and just kind of see where he's where he's at. I think we might see Moreno possibly get some minutes on the Thursday night instead, maybe half an hour in that game, and, and to see how he goes and kind of bring his recovery in slowly rather than rushing him back for the second time. Before we get on with the rest of the show, here's a quick advert for our women's football magazine at Reach PLC, which you can buy for £3. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay. And so are we. Let's go to our first nonsense question of the, the episode while we're on Bailey and Zaniolo. Take this whatever way you please, mate. From Sergeant Philip. Would you rather Leon Bailey or Nicolo Zaniolo cook you dinner? 
you got to go with an Italian, I suppose. I don't know yeah, what Bailey yeah, would yeah. cook. If this was like a poll with like a thousand people, you'd probably get like 80% Zaniolo just because he's Italian. Well, let us know in the comments down below which which one you would go with. If I was going to generalise this to just like Jamaican food or Italian food, I'd pick I, Italian food, I think. There's nothing against Jamaican food. I'm, no, no, no. I'd like to know the meals before. I think that would be my key thing. Mm. What if um, they, what, what, right, whatever your favourite meal is, Okay. chicken and whatever seeing as whenever i mention on a, a food diary thing you pick chicken more so often than not let's say you can pick chicken whatever and they both yeah. have to cook the same version like master chef style who you yeah. trust in to deliver that dish better <laughs> you're thinking about it for those that are only listening john's got his head in his hands and looks deep i'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with zaniola I, I think he kind of just comes across as more um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> More able to cook a good meal. I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe the way he does his hair, it's quite perfect. <laughs> you, you feel like it's well, you you feel like yeah. it's just capable of um executing it better. That's my my reasoning. It's not good reasoning, I know. But come on, next question. <laughs> yeah, let's dig you out of the hole and move on. Julie says, when the forest players come out, all they can hear is Mull of Kintyre from all corners of the ground. Do you think we should adopt the same approach and find a song unique to us? If so, any ideas? Can I start by saying I've never heard that song before? And really? Yeah. What is it and where is it from? What? I don't know where the song comes from, and I should know the answer. Because uh, I only realised... for a long time, I think. Yeah, and if, if a Forest fan's stumbling on this, apologies for my ignorance, but I only heard that Forest sung that four games when they played West Ham. I think it was their first time going back in the Premier League last season. Everyone was like, oh, great rendition of this song. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> well, here's some information for you. The song's been a forest anthem ever since the glory days when the Reds were champions of Europe, made famous by Paul McCartney and Wings. The song was oh, released okay. in late 1977 and has been adopted yeah. by the Forest Faithful since they won the first division in 1978. So yeah, they've sung it for a long time and it, it does get them going, doesn't it? Uh, I've only been to Forest a handful of times and the atmosphere is generally good throughout anyway. But that opening is um, kind of sets the sets the tone, I guess, to, to having a good atmosphere from the, from the first minute. Yeah, I think it's nice to have a song before I... Maybe it's just because I don't know the song that Forrest sing. I don't really like, don't really get it. Like, I don't know. I don't, I think, I've, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like this, I've probably heard better opening songs before. Forrest fans don't kill me. I'm just, just my honest opinion. I don't know. Do we need something before? I don't think so. I think just better Villa Park atmosphere is what some people ask for. But um, we've had these podcasts before about the atmosphere, and I, I don't know what exactly I put it down to. I think maybe it's just like different generations of supporters or something i don't know maybe that's it some fans have seen glory days some haven't some get more excited than <laughs> winning some games than others i don't know i couldn't put my finger on it but maybe a song beforehand would help i'll be honest i don't think it would i think as soon as you sing that then it just goes quiet again so yeah the, well yeah there is that side of it you can have like an anthem but then if you're not going to follow it up with anything for the, the 90 minutes that follow it's not really worth <laughs> yeah. it and just the the, the initial stages of uh, the creating a a villa chant out of nowhere it's probably not going to happen and adopting a, a pre-existing song and adjusting the lyrics that's something from the Weird. Beatles or whatever it's going to just not go down know. well to begin with it's just going to look forced and cringy and yeah, you need, whatever else yeah you need something that honestly i think we're probably the worst fan base to kind of just if, if chris heck just said all right here's a song that we're going to go with at the start of the game <laughs> god this me i i think you'd have i mean i don't know 10 percent of fans might like it even if it was a cracking anthem and some villa fans did like it you're always going to get a batch that don't like it and that forest song is obviously something that they all like and they can all get behind and it's been there mm -hmm. for years so that's why it works if you did that for villa and just i don't know 
Let's try some Jewelip lyrics or something. <laughs> it won't go down well. It would look bad. I remember when we had the um, God, we were in, we were down bad, but when we had the Conor Horahan, the you know the dude, we had that when players were walking out, and I think Keith Warnes was trying to kind of act as a DJ or something, kind of working out which song should we play before games. Yeah. Goodness me, oh. like we didn't realise it at the time, probably because it was it's a nice little buff, but. Yeah, don't force it. Let's move on. That was a great question from Julie that sparked uh, us to adapt to a Dua Lipa song, which I just love for some reason. All right, thank you, Julie. If, next... if the next question is what <laughs> Dua Lipa song would you adapt? <laughs> well, on the theme of, of nonsense, let's get this one out of the way because I I don't think this question's for us. I think this is maybe for oh, so disrespectful for a slightly older generation. Uh, where's Matt Kendrick when you need him? From Rob. <laughs> He says, if you were going to choose one Villa player to represent the club on Strictly Come Dancing, who would it be and why? Do you watch Strictly Come Dancing, John? <laughs> Do I look like I'm on it? No, I've, I've never watched Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, <laughs> right, I'm going to have to think about this. Do you have an answer? Well, I I've think got I've an answer, yeah, but it's such a such a generalisation. Is this a previous player? No, it's a current player, mine is. Oh, yeah, but can we do previous players? Oh, you can. oh mate, honestly, this question, just do what you want. <laughs> I'll go with Uncle Albert. Okay, decent, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not bad. Good shout. I've got to go Douglas Louise. Samba yeah, Hips. Yeah. Yeah, got a bit of rhythm about him. Yeah, Douglas Louise and Albert Adoma to win Strictly Come Dancing next year. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go with that and then move on. Uh, this is actually the last question of the the show which is probably the overarching talking point that we've discussed throughout without actually talking about it uh from Darren who says why is our away form so indifferent to our home form are we allowing too much respect to the home teams instead of just being ruthless it might sound a bit simple but because we're not <laughs> if we're not a champions league team yet are we i don't think we're ready to finish in the top 5 we might compete for it but i don't know i can't put it i just don't think we're at that level to play both home and away that's the level that Emery wants to get at because teams like um I say Liverpool even though they drew to Luton but you know usually a team like Liverpool uh, Man City Arsenal those teams will you know they'll they'll win their home games and their away games and they'll drop points here and there but there won't be a big imbalance for Villa there's going to be a bit of an imbalance firstly because the home form is actually you know kind of the best in Europe <laughs> over the however long we I just don't think we're at the level where we can dominate home and away we're not going to command that much of the ball. I just think we're maybe a couple of years away from being that team. Uh, who knows? We may never be that team, but we're getting towards it. If Villa were to do what they were doing at home and doing it away in terms of putting in those performances, Villa are going to be competing for the league title and that's not going to um, happen this season. So I think we can expect a bit of a drop off away. Uh, what I put that down to would just be... I mean, it's, it's a few things. Home teams play better than away teams generally when we're not, you know, that good in terms of a Man City or Arsenal level. And teams will see us as a scalp, so they're going to up the game. For example, Forest, they couldn't beat Luton, they couldn't beat Brentford, they couldn't beat Burnley, they just about beat Sheffield United. But then they beat us 2-0, so there's a reason for that. We're just going to have to adapt and we'll do that eventually. I just think over the last year, teams have been less willing to kind of sit back and respect Villa, whereas now they really do see us as a team who could compete for top four, top five. So therefore, they are going to sit back and it's going to be a different way. Um, sorry, Villa are going to have to play a different way and overcome that challenge. I think they'll do it eventually, but it might just take a couple of months. For example, when we play Bournemouth away, Bournemouth are not going <laughs> to come at us, I don't think. And if they do, 
they'd be silly to. Raiola likes to play a good brand of football, but Villa will want them to come at them so they can hit him on the break with Diaby and Watkins and players like that. Yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. But for now, I think Villa are just going to have to adapt to a new way that teams will be playing against them when they're uh, playing away. We mentioned it on the post-match show yesterday, but it's 20 goals at home and only six on the road. Is the away form of any concern to you? Do you think that is what, what will let us down if Villa don't go on to achieve what they want to this season and finish in the top six or whatever? It's hard to kind of balance the two out because we're 100% at home. Like literally, we win every single game, so it's, it's obviously not going to be that good away from home as well because we're not going to win every single game that we play. But the, the home form is doing the heavy lifting of keeping us where we are. But if that's sustainable and you can win 17 of the 19 home games, the away record, I say it doesn't need to be better. Obviously, it does because if it, if it is improved even slightly, we're comfortably up into the top four. If Villa can keep ticking along in, in that form, that's okay, but that's not going to happen. Villa aren't going to win. 17 of the 19 home games although they might um, but if they don't have to do that if they can just work out the away form a little bit so is it a concern or do you just think well, it'll kind of work itself out it's not a concern it's obviously something that Villa need to improve on so whether you want to call that concern or not I don't know but I'm not concerned put it this way I'm not concerned that Villa won't get it right I think our team is too good for us not to win enough games away from home to at least get in the top seven um, again our home form is so good that I'm not particularly concerned that if we don't improve it drastically, that we're not going to achieve what we could achieve this season. However, I would counter that by saying we are also not going to win all the home games. When we play City and Arsenal at home, we are probably going to drop points. You know, who knows? We might draw both and that'll be seen as two good draws, um, but we've lost four points. So over the course of the season, we'll get the points that they deserve. And you just hope that enough of those points that we dropped, that, that we're going to drop, won't all be, you know, through poor performances or mistakes on the road I think that's the key thing for me as long as the performances are good enough then we'll get what we get you know because that is our level whatever we perform at but it's making those mistakes that Martinez made it's missing those chances that Zaniola missed and that you know Watkins hit the post in the last kick of the game against Wolves and I don't want to kind of blame us not winning on Ollie Watkins because we have 90 minutes to win a game plus extra time it's those margins that you want to as long as we fall on the right side of those margins then I think we'll have enough points away from home for it not to be a bit of a you know a calamity or a disaster that Villa only won X amount of games or we won less away games this season than last season, for example. Whenever you go away from home, Villa are now a scout because we're a good team. You know, you'd compare us to Newcastle last year, maybe Tottenham of years previous and things like that. And those teams didn't win every game away from home, did they? But they did collect a lot of points, more points than what Villa have in the last few years away from home. So it was, it's weird because last season, I do think we were good on the road, weren't we? I think there was a few stats yeah, saying that Villa actually yeah. better away than at home because they were playing a very, I wouldn't say attritional, but it was very, um, it was kind of back to basics in some matches like the Tottenham game. Villa played some good stuff in the final third, but it was men behind the ball and it was good organisation, which is exactly what you want. So I just wonder if Emery might tweak it ever so slightly instead of having Torres playing as basically a midfield and maybe we drop back slightly. I don't know. It's not something that I really want to see because I think Villa can beat teams um, away from home playing as they did against Forest. Again, if we just don't concede those two goals, which are avoidable and Zaniolo scores, let's keep saying, the game would be different. So um, I don't think, you know, major tweaks need to happen, but I don't doubt that Emery will be looking at it. And I mean, God, he must have spent, he must have been up to like 4am last night, you know, researching and analysing what went wrong and 
he was probably looking back at like the Wolves game and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's a shame that Emery couldn't celebrate his birthday in the end because that was his plan to celebrate oh, it yeah. last night. A couple of the journalists were thinking last night, "Oh, do we ask him about it?" And I was just, "No, don't don't ask him about it." <laughs> you probably forgot it's his birthday. To be fair, there's a couple of points there. The fact that you can go, "Oh, if it wasn't for the Martinez mistake and Zaniolo missing and Watkins hitting the woodwork yeah. and blah blah blah, they're good things, really." Because I'd rather you were saying yeah, yeah. if it wasn't for these things, then not just going. We created nothing away at this team, and we did nothing here, and we did nothing there. That'd be a concern. Yeah. The fact yeah. that we're kind of the width of the post away in, in a couple of games from from actually going on to get some points out of it tells me that Villa can do things over the course of a season. And it's just yeah. at the moment it's not quite worked. The only other thing I would say on top of that is that we do need to find a way to keep clean sheets away from home, and that'll be something that Martinez and the defence will will need to kind of yeah. uh, and Emery as well, and the, and the staff will have to get their heads around because if you can keep a clean sheet. You're obviously in a great position, aren't you? Which sounds so obvious, does that? <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, at home as well, we don't keep too many clean sheets. We well, haven't yeah, kept yeah. too many clean sheets this season. On that point there, Dan, about... I think you're right because, it's again, it's the performances. As long as the performances are good, there's nothing really to worry about. Again, over the course of the season, you're going to get the points. It's going to average out. You know, Watkins hitting the post means that we'll, we might win 1-0 against Bournemouth by hitting the bar and it going into something. I don't know. It just happens in football. We're not going to finish in sixth but we won't deserve it we won't finish in ninth but we deserve to be higher we'll finish where we deserve to finish mm. and that'll be based on the performances we have you just hope as you say that those mistakes and whatever kind of iron themselves out and i think they will because we, we're a good enough team not to make those mistakes all the time and as well i think it's worth remembering that at the start of the season or in pre-season emery as i say has he's taken on another kind of complex system we are playing different to what we were last season as well we're doing different things so to be in the position that we're in Plus, we've had a bit of a transition over the summer and into the first weeks of the season. Obviously, it didn't start particularly well against Newcastle. Obviously, Mings getting injured was a, you know, a thing, but we were caught out as well. Um, Liverpool, the same, was a poor performance. Forest, mm. in my opinion, wasn't that. And I think we need to remember that. It's just a blip. Um, and the team is going to continue to get better, which is the scary thing. Moreno's coming back. Ramsey's coming back. We all know that. For me, it's onwards and upwards. But you need to beat Fulham. <laughs> if we don't beat Fulham, it's going to be a... For, you know, for Christ's sake, Villa, you know, we want to win those games that Newcastle did last season. Again, we don't want to compare ourselves to them literally, but that's the, um, as Alex said, as you said earlier, Dan, that's the, the barometer and we need to be, we need to be winning enough games at home, which we are doing and then getting your points away from home. And I think we will. Villa need mid 60s, early 70s points, don't they, to finish in the, in the top six as an average that's 20, 21, 22 home, uh, wins in the Premier League. Now, if Villa do win 15, 16 games at Villa Park, I back them to find another five or six wins on the road, which doesn't yeah. really sound like a lot, really. This this shouldn't, um, just to kind of have a last point for me, This shouldn't we shouldn't ask this every week, but what constitutes a successful season for you? Have, have, has your mind changed? I know we've only lost one game against, four, well, three games, but one game against Forest that we've lost. Are you at all impacted by that? What constitutes successful season? Because I know you said that we could finish top four. Yeah, top five. <laughs> top five. <laughs> no, you said four. I'm not letting that go. Um, what constitutes a successful season? I think what I said in the summer is what I'll stick with and that I want to be playing European football again next season, even if that's only the yeah. Conference League again, which yeah. would mean not winning the Conference League this year and finishing seventh again. Yeah. Basically doing what we did last year. I think that's just about success because I think it, just keeps us ticking what over if, enough. What if, because this is my kind of 
I only really look at the table um, like properly after we've played all the other 19 teams. Yeah. yeah. After that point, if Villa are in the same position as they are now, not necessarily two points off third, but uh, you know, in fifth or sixth or something like that, and they've got distance on a couple of teams and they're quite clearly within European football, basically they've maintained the start that we've had. Mm. What about then? I think... Oh, can I split it into two ways? Which is going to sound stupid the way I'm going to phrase it. Yeah. The bare minimum of success for this season is at least being the Conference League again next year. I think a good level of success would be playing in the Europa League next year, which either means finishing the top six or winning the Conference League, which I think we could do either, if not both. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a third tier of success, we'll be playing in the Champions League next year. It's based off the, off the three European competitions, is what my tiers of success are, kind of gold, silver and bronze. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I'd be happy with the silver level of success to be playing Europa League next year. I think that would be very, very good. I think Champions League is probably just out of sight, I think if I'm being realistic about it, but I'm, I'm probably, I'm just being faded a little bit by that Nottingham Forest result. And I don't so really you have feel been, like I should be. you have been influenced. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I don't feel like I should be, but because it only happened yesterday, it's what yeah. it's all I'm thinking about that teams that finish in the top four probably don't do that. But then Liverpool only drew to Luton. So that would their fans be thinking, oh, we won't finish in the top four now. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm still of the opinion that I'd like Europa League next season. And I yeah. mean, yeah, I'd take Champions League, of course I would, but that's, my goal for Villa, if that makes sense. Mm. I don't know what yeah. everyone else thinks. And a lot of people will be saying, oh, we've made such a good start. If we maintain that over 19 games, which is the question I've asked, then I think fans will be like, oh, okay, well, as long as we do that again in the second half of the season, when you know, we've got Champions League. But I just think it'll be so difficult. And this is what I said a few weeks ago. Even when we were beating teams like West Ham and Brighton comfortably, it's so difficult to, to get above an Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool... I think a lot of it also depends on a Tottenham. What are they going to do? But they look strong. They don't have Europe, as we keep saying. They'll get knocked out in the third round of the FA Cup because that's what they do. To me, I think that they probably have a better chance of finishing in, in the Champions League than Villa. I still think Newcastle do as well. And I just think it will take a lot for us to overthrow that, especially if we're in the latter rounds of the Conference League. So I still constitute a top seven finish and winning the Conference League as a successful season, in my opinion, because that kind of ticks the box of Villa can cope with Europe. And... God, everyone was saying, even pundits were like, oh, well, you're Villa, you know, top 10 for Villa May because they've got Conference League. Well, yeah. if we can prove that we're still a top seven team and we're better than, you know, uh, West Ham, Brighton, all those teams that people probably thought that we might have finished behind this season, I don't know. Um, and win a Conference League, I think that would be fantastic. And that's, I kind of just wanted to nail my colours there because, you know, in a few weeks, if we start winning again, you don't want to get too high in thinking that Villa can then get top four. I just think we need to focus on what we can achieve, uh, aim for it. But if we don't, I don't doubt that we could be top seven quite comfortably. Um, mm. And then the focus is to win the Conference League anyway. But I just think, yeah, Europa League next season will be great. And then you can go again, buy new players in the summer, all that stuff. And then you can build towards the Champions League. Again, Emery sees this like a two-year thing. He said in his press the other day, actually, like Villa want to... Um, sorry, he wants the... Uh, kind of progress where Villa are year on year. So that would be Europa League to then the Champions League, that sort of thing. Almost like a target of win the Conference League this season, then win the Europa League next season, maybe that would be the thing. And then get into the Champions League, winning trophies as you do it, that would be fantastic. But yeah, that's where I'm at this season. John, just quickly to end the show, because we've gone on slightly longer than I thought with the questions and we've branched off into different talking points, which is I love, that's what this show is for. Uh, before we uh, turn our attention to Fulham, it's AZ Altmar again in the week uh, on Thursday. Now, we said when we played these away what, a couple of weeks ago, 
it's kind of a semi-interesting dynamic in in that group that we play that team again next. Uh, obviously at Villa Park, where we are exquisite, and uh, we should all be looking towards that game, thinking that well, if we win, that's pretty much qualification secured. I think would it be at least second? Like if we win this game, yeah. pretty much not really. You, no, <laughs> if, if we win on if we win our next two home games, which is obviously the target, that would basically secure qualification and then it would come down yes. to the last game to get top yeah okay fair enough but yeah i think we will do that is probably what i'm trying to say um we, when we do the monday show when there's a thursday game upcoming in the conference league, we do a little five minute section or so kind of previewing that for want of a better word how we approach it how important it is etc so what kind of 11 would you play throughout my on thursday do you still just keep going as strong as possible i would go strong but i think certain uh, some players, sorry, have kind of grown into it, especially in the away game against Alkmaar. Longley mm-hmm. was excellent. Tielemans was, he played his best game for Villa. So I think those two deserve to start, which obviously changes the uh, team already. I mean, do you want me to go through an 11? If you can, yeah. Matty Cash, right back, Martinez, goal. Longley and Carlos. So mm-hmm. uh, Dean at left back. I think that would be the defence that started against AZ. Kamara and Louise. Tielemans a bit more advanced with John McGinn and up top I would play Ollie Watkins because I don't think Duran will be fit and I would probably play Bailey off. Have I just named the team that played AZ last week? I think I have. <laughs> uh, I think so, yeah. Or even, yeah. There you go. I said it's a semi-interesting dynamic because it's a weird way for us to approach it as well because it's difficult to like, preview a game from a team you've only just played. It's like when you play yeah. somebody in the in the league and then you have them again in the cup in the same week or something. You kind of think, we've just I think they've, um, they've had a strange couple of weeks, I think, yeah. uh, since playing us as well. I think they had a game called off, if I'm not mistaken. And then they drew one all last time out against uh, a lower uh, Eredivisie team. I think they were one to look later on. Yeah, I didn't want to say the name. Um, one it up, and then they conceded late on, I think in like the 90th minute or something. So Villa should win the game. You've got to respect them, of course you do, but if they can go one it up, should be three points. And then you're looking towards the leggy game, win that, uh, and then you've got qualification pretty much sewn up. So yeah, just need to w- win this game for sure. I, I, you don't need to play the strongest team that you have, but I do think you need to take it seriously because yeah, you beat them 4-1 away, but then if you don't beat them at home, well then you've... You kind of you're back to where you were in a way because Legia are then going to look to probably top of the group after all of that. Yeah. So you do need to win. Yeah, absolutely. I think you you're right with the team selection you picked. That's probably what I would go for as well. If if Moreno, I mean Ramsey's not going to be fit before the international break, is he? So no. we can discount him. Moreno was on the bench for Nottingham Forest, and uh, you would expect to be on the bench now until he starts playing games again, providing no extra setbacks. If he is fit enough to start, is there any possibility that he gets minutes? I wouldn't start him just because that would mean he'd be playing at least 45 minutes and I don't think we need to do that to him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would maybe give him 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the end, maybe just to get in a little bit of a rhythm, just to test himself Mm. out and so we can feel confident because I do think having the setback that he had, I don't think you would feel necessarily too confident in your body straight away in your first 10-15 minutes against whoever Villa play when he first comes back. For example, if he starts against Tottenham, the first thing I'd do if I was Ange Postacoglu was run at Moreno for 10-15 minutes, just keep doing it. because well, If you were Ange Postacoglu, the manager, you'd jump on the pitch and, and dash down the left back. 
<laughs> you wouldn't have much joy to be fair. You, you know what I mean? You'd put um, Kulazewski on Moreno and you you just keep going for 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes mm. just to see where Moreno is at because you, I just don't think you would feel confident. I know he's been in training, but it's a different thing in a match environment, yeah. knowing that at any point you might feel something. It's not very nice. So I do think he needs to have a little bit of um, an introduction, maybe an AZ, maybe against Fulham, who knows. But I think he needs that. He needs 15, 20 minutes, maybe in both games, just to kind of, so mentally he knows he's ready to to give it his mm. all. Yeah, he, he needs to get on the pitch and have a, a burst of a sprint, doesn't he, or something. Yeah. And just think, okay, well, my leg feels okay. I, yeah. I'm okay here. Different direction, packing players, yeah. Yeah, you'd rather that come in the final 10 minutes when we're already three nil up in a comfortable game rather than starting against Tottenham and looking shaky no. and thinking he's a target. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. There's, there's, I'd say not, no reason to start him because I like Moreno and if he's fit and ready, he can obviously be an asset for us. But I feel like we can beat both Alkmaar and Fulham without Moreno starting games and, and, and forcing him earlier than he needs to possibly. Yeah. Um, just finally to end the show with the segment that's still unnamed, but it kind of is named now because I've done a graphic for it and I'm sticking with the name because it's become a bit of a joke. Here's something I saw this week and wanted <laughs> to talk about on the podcast, um, a part of the show where we can talk about something that isn't anything to do with Villa necessarily if we don't want it to be. It can, it can literally be anything. Last week I was talking about a sticker book from 1981 just because I, I wanted to share it. This week... I just wanted to bring up Mikel Arteta very quickly. I don't particularly like Mikel Arteta as a as a as a person. I think as a football coach, I think he's a, a decent enough coach and one of the top I don't know, five or six in the Premier League, let's say. But he just I don't like his moaning and his whining and his yeah. touchline antics and all those kind of things. I just I just I dislike. And this just comes off the back of their defeat against Nottingham, uh, Nottingham Forest, their defeat against Newcastle United on Saturday evening. And um, the goal that was, was it over the line? Was it in play? Was it offside? Was it a foul? Whatever else. And the VAR interventions. And they felt hard done by. And they came on. He came on after the, the game doing his post-match presser. Doing, went viral on Twitter three or four minutes of him just ranting. And I'm embarrassed and I feel sick and all these things. And I thought, kind of like cringed into my seat thinking... Get a grip, mate. Like you've lost a, f- a football game. It's one of those things. It just happens. I don't like those kind of outbursts from from managers generally. <laughs> there was one off the back of it earlier, either earlier this season or last, of him defending uh, the referees and the VAR, saying, "Oh, they make mistakes. These things happen." It's like you can't have it both ways, mate. And uh, I tweeted it out and shared it and said, "Like, oh, Unai, Unai would never." Somebody replied back saying, why have you got to make it about Unai for? It's, it's nothing to do with him and it isn't. But I'm a Villa fan and I'm relating back to my experiences with, with our yeah. manager. You would never get Unai Emery coming on Sky Sports for three or four minutes saying he feels sick and he's embarrassed and the referees are wow. a disgrace. Have a bit more respect, Mikel. <laughs> when he said this, I thought, oh, I feel sick. I feel blah, blah, blah. That's literally me like as I walk into the press conference <laughs> after the lose. <laughs> from a bag down. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit embarrassing. I think... I don't actually, uh, I didn't think there's anything wrong with the goal, <laughs> if I'm honest. I don't know what you thought, but firstly, the ball probably didn't go out because we all know that uh, it's spherical, isn't it? So it's yeah. probably not over the line. <laughs> We've all seen those images and videos on Twitter. So I, the ball was most likely in play. And I don't think it was a foul either because it was a Gabriel that was under Joel Linton. He, tr- he ducks. Anyone who's played football knows that if you're trying to clear <clears> the ball away from goal, you duck to like flick it on. He's ducked. He knows the ball's in the back of the net and he's kind of just collapsed under pressure from Joel Linton. It's not a foul. You can't rule that out. So um, yeah. nothing wrong with it. And then yeah, for Arteta to come on and oh, come on, just managers have up to an hour if they want it. I don't know, maybe even more before they do a press conference um, to kind of cool themselves down, think about what they're going to say. I think Emery does that, to be fair. Sometimes he's a bit um, longer than 
other times, usually when Villa might not have played well, I don't know. He kind of, you know, just kind of composed himself. And you're right, whenever a decision goes, you know, against him or whatever, or maybe it shouldn't have, then he'll always say he respects the refs and VAR and they'll kind of just leave it at that. He doesn't have to get caught up in a in a big fight about it. A manager who can express his uh, concerns about VAR and refs is probably Gary O'Neill, because to be fair, in the last year, Wolves <laughs> have had a shocking rap. Last year, the last couple of weeks, even. Yeah, yeah, but over the last year, like it's <laughs> every week, well, there's a bad decision against Wolves, and I'm saying that as a Villa fan, it's crazy. <laughs> Genuinely, mm. he must be sick of it. Um, I know he has the Arsenal one though. Like the on-field, the on-field decision was that they'd given the goal. So if VAR didn't know, like they said, like, they couldn't, they didn't yeah. have conclusive evidence or whatever that the ball was in or was out or whatever. They didn't have the camera angle. You stick with the on-field decision, decision, and they gave the goal. So you, at some point, you just have to hold your hands up. And as frustrating as it is for fans specifically. We would probably come on a podcast and moan about that. That's our outlet to do that. Yeah. As a manager, you've got to have a bit more class and a bit more you dignity to just go, yeah, it was annoying, it was frustrating, but maybe we could have done this and could have done that. To kind of be like, oh, I feel sick, I'm embarrassed. Like, Grow up, Mikel. Yeah. You know, some decisions are that bad that a manager probably could do that and I wouldn't complain, but I just think it wasn't even a... He was saying, all oh, the ball weren't... Oh, he, no, hold on. He didn't actually say what was wrong with it. He was asked a few mm. times, I think, by Newcastle journalists. He said, well, what specifically was wrong with, you know, where was it wrong? What what was the decision that was wrong? And he kind of just said everything. There's yeah. two things to this. When the Liverpool Spurs one happened a few weeks ago that introduced this segment, of, here's something I saw this week and wanted to talk about. Yeah. That, was a, that was a period where probably most of the managers could have come out in support of that and say, well, actually, that was wrong. And we all think as a collective that was bad. And no one did that. So you kind of lose your integrity to even have a go at the officials if you don't kind of stand with Liverpool on that on that decision. Does the Arsenal official media Twitter account ever need to release a statement the next day saying we agree with Mikel Arteta? Oh mate, grow up, Arsenal. I'm sure you do. I don't understand that. I must. I just don't get that. I, I expect managers to come out and moan and what have whatever after press conference press conferences. But I think for a club to. I mean, obviously, I don't know if I presume the comms team didn't go up to Arteta and say, "Oh, she put out a statement." I'm would have thought someone within the club who didn't write the statement said we need to back our titles. I don't know. What on earth are you going to gain <laughs> gain from no. that? Is it, no, no. no one's going to think, oh, you know what? Statement's out there for it. You know, they must be right. It, it makes no sense. It, it achieves nothing. Um, yeah. It doesn't make referees, you know, more lenient to Arsenal or whatever. And if it does, then that's uh, obviously not allowed. So, it, yeah, it's not, um, it's just, it's a pointless statement and something that I think was really petty as well. Mm. You've lost the game over a decision that I don't even think was incorrect anyway, either one. And most people would agree with that. It, you know, if it was the Liverpool thing when they put out a statement, then yeah, that's fair enough. Calling for the audio and stuff, you know, yeah, that's, that's totally genuine, different, yeah. shocking error. But <laughs> yeah, to, yeah to, the statement tipped me over the edge. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, that was the reason why I wanted to get this at the end of the show just to talk about it. It's obviously we're a Villa podcast. We talk about all things Villa. We we don't tend to mention things from other clubs because that's not what we do. But I thought every week we can at least look at something else that's happened this week and bring it up. And I just couldn't resist having a dig at Arteta and Arsenal over that. It's just a joke. Let's call it a day there, John. <laughs> thank you for joining me this week for a bumper episode of the Monday Show. Absolutely loads covered. And thank you to the people who sent their questions in. You were like the driver 
driving force for the, for this show for us to uh, to go down these different avenues. So thank you for getting involved. We'll be back on Thursday evening or Friday morning for a post match show for Alkmaar and a look ahead to Fulham. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And Football Manager is out today, by the way. So our Football Manager series might be returning on YouTube for those that are interested in that kind of thing as well. That'll probably be next week. Though. Thanks everyone for watching or tuning to Spotify for this one. Thank you, John, for joining me. And we'll see you all again in a few days. Up the Villa. Thank you.